Wow, thank you. Thank you all for coming. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to uh, the book of John in the New Testament, John chapter 8. Um, John chapter 8, if, if you do not have a Bible or a, or a tablet or a phone, you can look it up. There's a Bible in the pew uh, right in front of you. Please feel free to use that. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, please, uh, please take that Bible. It's better in the hands of someone reading it than just sitting somewhere collecting dust. Amen? So, John chapter 8. Well, listen, while you're turning there, I got a question for you. Who are you? Who are you? And are you okay with who you are this morning? The answer to that question is, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Then you are in the minority today. You aren't. Uh, but the other thing I want to be absolutely sure of is that, that you're not basing your identity on something that, that could be wrong. And so uh, this series, for the next three weeks, we're going to cover some three main questions that we need to ask and that need to be answered. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Today, who am I? Think about it. Whenever you uh, go to a party, event, school, uh, work, wherever the case may be, people usually introduce each other. And after a few moments, they start throwing out descriptive terms of who they are or who they think they are. For example, some people will throw out titles like, who are you? Hey, I'm Lita's husband. All right. So I have a wife. It's my husband. Uh, I'm a dad to Tabby, Allie, and Cassie Scrimshire. Uh, we, we have titles. Each of us have different titles, different things that, that we think uh, identify us to the world. To some of us, it's our vocation, right? You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a butcher. I'm a baker. I'm a... Okay, wow, y'all, there's a lot of candlestick makers out here. That's insane. Okay, yeah, we, we uh, sometimes identify ourselves with our vocation, our work, our career. Some of us, I dare say many of us, Identify ourselves by our experiences. Some of us, I'm at the top of my field. Some of us, I'm a dropout. Some of us identify ourselves as happily married. Some of us shudder with the words, I'm separated. Some of us say, I've got it all together. Others, if they're honest, they say, I'm holding on by a string. Some of us say, I am a victor. And to others, you would say, if you were very honest, you'd say, I am a failure. Our experiences. To some of us, it's about our location. Who am I? I'm American. American. Look at my truck. It's got the flag flapping. Okay? I'm an American. All right? Uh I'm a northerner, or I'm a country boy, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we, we relate ourselves by our location. Listen, is this all there is to us? Is this all there is? Is the sum total of my being tied to my job, to my experiences? Is my worth, is my worth based solely on my abilities, my nationality, or even decisions that I have made? Who I am, who we are, must be more than this. Listen, I'm a big fan of 
uh, technology, so to speak, and specifically Apple products. I know, hate me if you want, you know, but a uh, big fan of Apple products. Why? Because they're simple to use, Kenny. They're simple to use. Uh, Apple products, you know, it, it's like, it's like the owner of the company went to my house, saw the way I acted and said, I'm going to make a product that is perfect for you. That's how I feel about Apple products, okay? But listen, the best products are ultimately made the first for the owner, for the designer of the product. And if that owner can, can make a product that they believe is absolutely perfect, more than likely it's going to be a success. If your own goal is to make money, then you're going to kind of bury, you're going to kind of uh, build to the whims of what you think many other people are doing, and your product may only hit a certain amount of people, and more than likely it may be bland to everyone. So it's the owner, listen, this is so important, it's the owner who gives the product its meaning. It's the owner that gives the product its value and its purpose. So in order for me to know who I am, I need to first get to know my maker. I need to get to know my maker. If you're in John, John chapter 8, verse 56 through 59 Uh, Jesus is speaking and he says these awesome words. I am going to use a lot of passages of scripture. If you're a note taker, feel free to take notes. Uh, Also, there will be some things on, it's already on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Because there's some extra, there's a a picture that I put on there that goes along with this message. Uh, You'll see it whenever you go to Facebook. But um, some of you are going to Facebook. (laughs) Hang with me, hang with me. Uh, John chapter 8 verse 56, Jesus speaking, he says this. To the Pharisees, uh, to the religious people at that time. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Abraham, who lived 2,000 years before Jesus, he was excited about the day that Jesus would be on earth. Okay, He goes on to say, Abraham saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, wait a minute, you're not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham who was 2,000 years removed from us? Here's Jesus' response. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So check out what happened. So the Jews picked up stones to throw at him. Dude, why the hate, bro? I mean, think about that for a moment. Why were they so upset about that statement? They had a lot to be upset about because, you see, Jesus... Listen, I don't know what you think about Jesus right now. You may think that he's a a good moral teacher. Okay, you may think that he was a good religious leader. But if that's as far as you go with Jesus, then you are very wrong. And here's why. Because a good person who is still just a person, just like you and I, we, we mess up, we do our things, but he's still a good person, would not claim to be God. That's why they picked up stones to throw, because Jesus just claimed to be God. So Jesus cannot be just a religious teacher. He cannot just be a good person. He has to be something more than that or something less than that. He either has to be God or he has to be a liar. Let's read on. Um, Who is Jesus? That's a great question. 
Jesus just claimed to be the great I am. What does that mean? Well, if you go to the second book in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now, this is 1,400 years before Jesus uh, was on the, in the manger. Okay, 1,400 years before Jesus was speaking to the Jews here. 1,400 years before the first Christmas. All right? Uh, we have these words in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. God said to Moses, God said this, I am who I am. Now, who did, just, who did Jesus just say he was? I am, okay? See the connection? All right, 1,400 years ago. And God said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord that's good. The personal name of God, Yahweh. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They were a very popular people in the Old Testament. Okay? He has sent me to you. This is my name. Listen to this very carefully. This is my name. I am. Okay, this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So what this is saying... When Jesus referred himself to I am, Jesus just said, I am God. That's why they picked up stones to throw at him. Because to them, they didn't believe Jesus was a good moral man or a religious teacher. They had to make a choice. Either Jesus is God or he's a liar. And they went to go ahead and go the direction of liar. So they went to pick up stones to kill him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God, but he is also Creator. Who is Jesus? He is God, but he is also creator. Go back to John. John chapter 1 gives some very good uh, descriptions on Jesus. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, John, who was an apostle and probably the best friend of Jesus, he opens up his book, the book of John chapter 1, with these words. In John chapter 1 verse 1 through 3 he says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word, if, if you read through the rest of the chapter, clearly he's talking about Jesus. Because he says the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Christmas and all the whole story. So, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God. Alright, so in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. But then it says, and the Word was God. So Jesus is equal to God. He was in the beginning with God. Listen to this. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So everything that was made, including you and I, was made by Jesus. It was made by God the Son, by Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's God and Creator. Okay, we, we have to understand this before we understand ourselves, okay? So, now that we know this, let's move to ourself. Who am I? Three things real quick. There's a couple more I'll add to it. Three things. Number one, we are human. We are human. We are, we are a creation of God. He's the creator. We're the creation. He's all, we're also dependent upon him. Okay? Second thing is we're dependent on God. And third, we are accountable to God. We are human, we're creation, we're dependent, and we're accountable. Let's look at some passages to kind of help uh, 
understand this from a biblical perspective. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, look at what the scripture says. And God said, let us, so this is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's deep stuff, I know, Trinity. God is, he's fully relational. God has always been in relationship. That is an amazing truth for us to know, because here's why. There's a lot of us that struggle with believing truth. Some of us, especially when it comes to politics and and just everything that it seems like that we're getting bombarded with with the news, we don't want to hear facts. Okay, facts kind of get in the way of our feelings, right? That, That just seems to be the world that we live in now. Some of us are willing to believe a lie as long as we can keep the same friendships. Boy, I got quiet. Some of us are willing to do things we know we should not do in order to remain friends with certain people. What does this tell us? It tells us that feelings are more important than truth. But you see, church, we have something very unique about us. Something extremely unique about us. You see, what makes us unique and different from any other organization, social group, whatever, is that yes, we have truth and we need to know truth. I desperately need to know truth every day of my life. But my truth, the truth, is tied to a relationship. So you can actually have both. Jesus, who is a person, a literal person, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So now, we can keep truth and relationships if, if we come to Christ. That is huge. That is desperately needed today in our world and in our society today. But let's get back to... Uh, To this thought in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said, God said, let us, relational God, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And let man, woman, let people, let them have division over, uh, excuse me, uh, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What just happened there was God says, I've made a man and woman, I've made Adam and Eve, and I've told them to be in charge of all creation. Now, the Greek words that are in there say this, men, we are to be in charge of uh, the animals and the things that are really good to eat. The women are in charge of the small and creepy things. All right, sounds good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't kill me. Okay, just kidding. No, we are in charge. We are put to have dominion over this earth. We have been given a great responsibility. I'll talk more about that next week. But the main thing we need to hear today is that we were a creation by God Almighty. God Almighty is infinite. He never had a beginning. He has always been. You and I, though, guess what? We had a beginning, which means this. It's not about you. Sorry. The universe really does not revolve around you. It does not revolve around me. Now, that's kind of a blow to my pride and my ego, but that's the truth of the matter. It's not about me There's someone that's greater than me. And it's Christ. 
It also means that I am not independent from God. I needed him to make me. I need him every day of my life. Acts chapter 17 verse 25 says this. He himself, God, gives to all humankind, men and women alike, life and breath and everything. Think about this. The gifts and abilities that you have, whether it's to cheer, ow, that hurt. I'm just kidding. Uh, Whether it's to do whatever the the case may be, to work hard at your job, to have the, the mental capacity to do whatever it is, to counsel, to teach, whatever the case may be, it is a gift. And you know what a gift is? A gift is something given to you. Your abilities are given to you. Yes, we're called by God to hone those gifts and abilities, but a gift is exactly that. It's a gift from God. Every The reason that you and I live and move and have our being is because there is a God who beautifully and wonderfully orchestrates your life for his glory and for your good. But the third thing I said about us is that we're accountable to God. That's kind of important. You see, God, from the very beginning of Scripture, He set an accountability in play. Which is it's just true. You're that way, and I'm not going to say that you're just like a pet, but think about that. How many of you have pets? Okay. How many of you train your pet not to do certain things on certain floors? Okay. Yes, we do that. And we try to hold them accountable. Bad dog. Okay, whatever the case may be. All right. Well, it was the same... In a greater way, though, because we're not pets. Uh, we're, his, we're the apple of his eye, okay? We're created in his image, which I don't even have time to go into that. But listen, we have all been given accountability from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, God made them perfect, and he made them innocent in a garden, a beautiful, lush garden. They were free to do anything that they wanted, to eat anything that they wanted to. They had absolute freedom except for one tree. That was the accountability, If you truly worship me as God, then you'll do what I say. Enjoy everything, but stay away from that tree. It's not yours to have. Adam and Eve stole. They went in there and they did their own thing. Israel, God gave the Ten Commandments. We just talked about that for 11 weeks, about the Ten Commandments. God gave that to hold Israel accountable. Today, Christians, God says this. Jesus himself, his very words say, If you love me, do what I say. Obey my commands. And his commands are not burdensome. His commandments are for our good. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So there's a lot to say about us. But there's one thing that I hate having to say. But I must speak the truth. Not only are we human... Not only are we dependent, not only are we accountable, but we're also rebellious. We are a rebellious bunch of people. You see, the creator God, think about this for a moment, the maker of all things. Doesn't this just make sense? The creator has every right to declare what is right, wouldn't he? The creator God has every right to declare what is right, and we disagree with that. We disagree with it by our words and by our actions. We choose for ourselves what is right. And many times, most times, it's in direct conflict 
to what God declares is right. Let me see. God versus you, who wins? Well, Proverbs 14, 12 tells us who wins. Scripture says, For there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is the way of death. Folks, God has established what is right and wrong. And because we as rebellious people have chosen to go a different direction, we've chosen to get off track, we're going to crash and burn. That's where we're at. The Bible calls this rebellion towards God sin. In Isaiah 59, 2, the scripture says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. We have been separated by our very creator and maker because of our own rebellion, because of our sin. Yes, Adam and Eve started it, but the DNA is in each and every one of us. And if it were up to us, we would constantly choose that. So this is where we're at. This is our situation. Who am I? That's it. Who am I? I'm human. I'm dependent. I'm accountable. And I'm rebellious. Yay me. And listen, unless my situation, my sin situation is taken care of, that will be my identity forever. Let's recap. Who am I? I'm human, I'm dependent, I'm accountable, and I'm a sinner before God. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? Remember, he is God and Satan and uh, create God and creator, but that's not it. Amen. He's also a sinless savior. Now we get some good news. All right? Now now we're going to get some good news. We are who we are, but it doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. Enter Jesus. You see, from the very beginning of time, even before Adam and Eve first chose to sin, God made a way for us to be rescued from our sinful state. God promised to send a rescuer, a savior, to take our sin, my sin, to take it upon himself to pay the sin debt that we owe. That person, that rescuer, listen, it's God himself. That is huge. The very one who has every right to judge me for my sin is the same one who takes my sin upon himself and pays for it by dying on a cross for me. A very familiar passage to uh, sports goers alike. Uh, uh, John 3.16 really says it all. 3.16 and 17. Listen to what it says. And this is so, so vital to our understanding of who God is and who we can be in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, God, the Son of God, that whoever believes in Him, puts their trust in Him, should not perish but have eternal life. Listen to this. Listen very carefully to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus, our Savior, he himself paid our accountable sin, all of our debt that was against himself. He paid it for us. So I want to be very clear when I say this. Because people have different views and different opinions about God. Listen, the heart of God is to rescue you, not to condemn you. That's what the passage says. His desire is that you would turn and not perish. His desire is that you would come to him. So here's the question for us today. Here's the hinge. Here's what it's all about. Who are you? Who are you? Listen, there's a lot of descriptive terms to describe who we are. We can go for hours talking about the hats we wear, the jobs we've worked, all the experiences that we've had. But it ultimately boils down to two realities. Two realities. And we find that in the next verse. Verse 18. John three eighteen. Listen very carefully. The scripture says, Whoever believes in him, believes in Christ, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Holy Son of God. Just being absolutely clear, point blank with you, there are two options. If you choose to reject Christ, choose your own right instead of the maker's right, choose your own way, the Bible says that you are condemned. Which means you're going to get caught up in your experiences. You're going to get caught up in your vocations. You're going to think the the only purpose for me living, moving, and breathing is for what's happening right now. And guess what? A lot, a lot, you find this out. Even us older people, we know this. You find out that a lot of your success and your failure isn't even in your hands. And so you're going to weigh all of that. You're going to weigh your worth and your, your experiences. Why? Because that's all the hope you have. That's all the hope you have. You don't want to face the alternative. So who are you without Christ? You're lost. You're in sin. And you're separated from God. That could be some of you today. But it doesn't have to stay that way. That is the heart of God. Some of us, and even you today, can be that second person. You can have a different identity. Which is, this isn't fancy words, according to John 18, not condemned. You're not condemned. That's someone who who recognizes, I recognize my need for God, my creator. To save me because I cannot save myself. No matter how much good stuff I try to do on this earth. No matter how many nice things I try to do for other people. I've always got my sin right there. And I can't shake it off. I need a savior. I need someone to rescue me. Ephesians 2 says I'm dead in my sins and trespasses. I'm dead without God. But if I recognize my need for God in my life and I call on him to save me from my sin, if I come to him in humbleness and faith, as John 3.16 says, if I believe in him, if I trust in Jesus Christ, everything changes. Everything changes. 
And the beautiful truth, it's not on the screen there, but John 6, 37 says this. Jesus, his own words say this. Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. Listen, Jesus' arms are open for anybody who would call upon him. Anybody who would come to him in faith and say, God, I can't do it alone. I need you to be my savior, to be the Lord of my life, to be the boss. You're already the boss of everything. Every molecule on this earth and in this universe is in absolute submission to Jesus. Because it's in him all things hold together, Colossians 1 says. All things. So if that's true, then we need to admit that. And we need to call upon Christ. Now, this is where it gets really good. What happens if I come to Christ? What happens if I choose, although I don't deserve it, I choose to not be a condemned person? Everything changes. Who am I in Christ? This is not an exhaustive list. Not at all. But listen, these are some things that you are in Christ. The scripture says, I am forgiven. Let that rest for a moment. I am forgiven. Jesus said to the woman who was caught in sexual immorality, she looked towards him and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There is now therefore, according to uh, Romans 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you're in sin, we're condemned. But if you're in Christ, if you trust in him, there's no condemnation. You are forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. God is that big and he's that great. You are forgiven. You have been rescued. You have been in a pit emotionally, spiritually, relationally, all those things, you've been in a pit all your life and he is the one who raises you out of a pit. He rescues you and sets you upon a rock and that rock, Scripture says, is himself. He is our rock. We, we've been rescued. We have been chosen. I love this term so much. I have been chosen, which means this. I, I didn't run after God. Okay? My... my Mindset when it comes to God is to run away from Him. I want to do my own thing. But when it says that I have been chosen, according to Ephesians 1, 3, that means that God was chasing after me. He was pursuing me. He chose me before the very foundation of the earth. Listen, I'm one of those kids. I grew up a little bit. But when I was in middle school, high school, I was the runt, okay? Literally, I was that guy and I was beanpole skinny. You know what I'm talking about. I was the one who had to run in the shower to get wet, okay? I mean, those beads, they, they were, I mean, I was very tiny, and what I'm trying to say is, when I wanted to play sports, I was usually the last one picked. That made my ego wonderful, okay? That made me feel so good. Listen, I was the joker. I was the class clown in school. Yes, I got the award. Woo! But listen, the scariest part of my day at school was lunch. Because although I had a lot of acquaintances, a lot of people we'd laugh with during classes, when it came to lunch, I was so nervous. Who am I going to sit with? But when the scripture says, I've been chosen, that means that you 
were picked first. Before the very foundation of the world. He didn't choose me based on my abilities. He didn't choose me based on my height. He didn't choose me based on what I could do for him. He chose to set his affection upon me and upon you solely on the simple fact that he is God and he wants to love you. He wants to do this. And you think to yourself, am am I chosen? Listen, I get a clear answer to this. If you're hearing these words, God is calling you. God is calling you. God, you are not here by accident. No matter who you think you are, no matter what you've done, God can forgive you of all that. That that becomes who you are. I am forgiven. I am rescued. I am chosen. I am justified. That's a big word. Think of it like a court case. Okay? You've been justified. You've been declared right. That's weird for me because I've done a lot of wrong. But according to God, if, if Jesus dies for me and I receive that, then that means all my wrongs have been paid for. And all of Jesus' rights have been added to my account. So when God sees me, he sees judicially in the courtroom as someone who, like I'd never sinned. That is crazy. I am accepted. I am free. I'm no longer bound by the sin that used to always uh, make me go one way or the other away from God. I'm free. I'm secure. Listen, the beauty of salvation, the beauty of, of coming to Christ is once you were his, the old is gone. You can't go back. You are secure in him. The scripture says, Jesus, he specifically says, whoever God puts in my hands, I'll never let go. And then he goes on to say in John, he says, uh, this is John chapter 10, whoever's in the Father's hands, he will never let go. And in Ephesians 1, the scripture says, the Holy Spirit seals us to the day of promise. So all of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are sealing you. You are protected in God. You are known by God. You're adopted by God. He didn't just forgive you and say, go have fun, clean slate, hope you do well. No, he brings you into his family. Which means, listen, if I adopt you, not only do I just say, come live in my house and eat my food. If I adopt you, that means if you mess up, I gotta gotta deal with that. Did you catch that? If you become my son or daughter by adoption, if you mess up, I'm the one who's gotta pay for it, right? That's exactly what God did for us. I've adopted you, and I'm going to mold you and make you into the image of my son. But it's going to be a long process. You're going to spill the milk. You're going to make mistakes. But I'll be there to help clean it up. And I will walk with you, not just now, but forever. Which means this, not only am I all these things, I am going to heaven forever. And I'm in the presence of God in heaven forever. So who am I? If you are in Christ, you are a blessed person. How do I, how do I uh, internalize this truth? We sung about it. The first song that we sung today. Listen, ultimately, because God is God, right? And he's the one who determines what right is. Because God is God... I am who he says I am. Amen. 
I am who he says I am. I'm a child of God. I am victorious. Is that you? Listen, that means I no longer have to trust my feelings that go up and down depending on how good I did today or how bad. I don't have to trust my feelings. I can now trust in God, my creator, and what he says about me. 10th Avenue North has an awesome song. Awesome song. And here's some of the lyrics of it. It's called You Are More. Listen to the lyrics. The writer says, you are more, listen to this very carefully, you are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade by Christ. Because this is not about what you've done, but what has been done for you. It's not about where you've been, but where your brokenness brings you to. It's not about what you feel, but what Jesus felt to forgive you. And what he felt to make you loved. I don't know, when, when you came in here today, whether you're a child, teenager, adult, senior adult, whatever you think you were today, you need, to, you need to weigh that in with what your maker says about you today. And he says there are two things. Ultimately, there are two things. Lots of descriptions, but only two options. Are you in sin? Or are you in Christ? Please, for the sake of Christ, choose him. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word that proclaims all those who receive Christ. To them, you give the right to become children of God. To those who believe on your name. Through the Apostle Paul, God, you say, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus will be saved. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for your paying our sin debt so that everybody in this room can leave in Christ by trusting in him. But God, only you can draw them to yourself because our heart wants to go away. Our heart wants to do our own thing. So God, if anybody in this place, if anybody is going to call on your name in saving faith, it's you wooing them, drawing them to yourself, God. So please, please, God, draw them to yourself. And God, I pray for even your own kids, Father, who have put their trust and faith in you. But God, we have decided to believe a lie about ourselves. We still rate ourselves by our past. We, we rate ourselves by our occupations. We rate ourselves by what the scale says instead of what you say. 
God, I pray that you would be that heavenly father to us. God, that you would remind us, as only you can, of the precious truths of your word and what what you say about us. God, that we are forgiven, that we are rescued, we are chosen, we are justified, we are accepted, we are free, we are secure, we are sealed, we are known by God, we are new, we are adopted, we are victorious. And one day, we're going to live forever in the presence of God in heaven. May your perfect and awesome will be done during this invitation, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.